We started in the book of Revelation with the first chapter with John, uh, with John and the, the revelation that, of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. And we'll probably return to the book of Revelation, but today I want you to join me in the book of John. I want you to turn me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. It's going to be a great passage of Scripture. All of us are familiar with it. If you've been a Christian very long, for many of us, it's our beloved passage of Scripture. We just love John 14. Jesus is speaking here. I want to read verses 1 through 6, and verse 6 is going to be our focus today. I want to talk to you today about Jesus the way. Jesus the way. Because that is a very, very controversial statement in our culture today. People don't like to hear that Jesus is the way. But that is exactly what he said he was. Let's look at this passage together. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Lord, we ask you to just bless this passage to our hearts today and have your way in Jesus' name. Many years ago, when I was just beginning to have the opportunity to fulfill my call, I was in Kodiak, and I was invited to preach at a local church other than the one that I was working in as the youth pastor. And so I was excited to have the opportunity, and they were wonderful people, they loved the Lord. And one of the things I was speaking on that day, I was talking about fundamentals of Christianity. And one of the things that I spoke about was this verse, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes unto the Father except by Him. I believe that because Jesus said that. And immediately following the service, I had a gentleman that came up to me who happened to be one of the deacons in their church, and he said, I struggle with this. And he, he, he mentioned the passage that I'd shared. He said, I've got friends that are of different religions, and they're good people, and they, I know that they, they're, they're sincere in their religion, and, and I, just, I just can't see that they're not going to be in heaven with me. And I looked at him and I said, well, that's not what Jesus said. But today, church, there are still Christians that balk at that. They think, well, why, why are other religions different than Christianity? Aren't they a, the same uh, pyramid and we're all different sides and we're all going to get to heaven one day? No. 
And we're, we're, we're coming to a point in our nation where Christians are, are beginning to be persecuted. Around the world today, Christians are being persecuted. There's more Christians dying for their faith today than any time in history. And so the church needs to understand what we believe and, 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 and share what we believe and why we believe it. Amen? And so this passage of Scripture, I want to give you a little background on it. When Jesus said these words, he had just gotten through telling the disciples of his imminent death. And he told them, not only am I about to die, but he said, Peter, Peter is going to deny me. Now put yourself in their position. What, what, what would have gone through their, their mind at that time? They, they probably would have thought, what are you talking about, Lord? You're the Messiah. You're going to take the throne. And then they probably thought, well, I've just dedicated the last three years of my life to follow you. I, I left my business or my vocation and, and, and I left my family to travel with you and to be with you and to be discipled by you. And now you're telling me it's all crashing down, you're going to die, and Peter's even going to deny you? And so it was in that context that Jesus speaks these words. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. Church, it doesn't matter what we face in the times that we live. It doesn't matter if the church in the United States becomes persecuted like the church around the world. God still doesn't want us living in fear. He doesn't want us running away, frightened. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God the Father, believe also in me. Amen? And he wants us to make sure in this passage, he says, I am the way. Don't deny it. Don't be ashamed of it. Share it. Now, people struggle with that. Our culture today struggles with that. We say, well, you Christians, you're exclusive. And actually, we're inclusive. Scripture says, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants all of us to come into the family, amen? But there are those that say, well, pastor, what about those that were born before Jesus? What about them? What about those that are living in the deep parts of Africa that haven't heard the name of Jesus? And those are valid questions. But I want to deal with those today that when you walk out of the service today, you will be bold in your faith. You will say, yes, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. There is no other truth. Truth is a person. It's Jesus. <laughs> and I am the life. There is no eternal life other than in him. And that's what Jesus said, and that's why we believe it. One of my friends is always telling me, he said, I didn't write the book, I'm just sharing with you what's in it. Amen? 
But church, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except by him, except by the sacrifice of his life. He died on the cross for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of the world, that we could receive forgiveness and have that eternal life in him. That's foundational Christianity 101. And as a church today, we're not going to back down. Now, I don't want to beat people up. I want to speak the truth in love. But all religions will not get you to heaven. Religion is something that comes from the, the idea of man. It's man's list of rules. It's man's idea that if you do this, you can earn your way to a relationship with your creator. There's nothing we can do to earn our way to a relationship with our Creator. In fact, the Bible says our best deeds are what? They're filthy rags. Right? So it's not about knocking on doors. It's not about doing a list of things. It's about receiving the wonderful gift of God's grace in Jesus Christ. Amen? So I want us to look at this text for just a moment before we go on. In verse 3, there's two things of importance. Jesus says, I go, and he says, I will come again. Church, we need to understand that there is a certainty of the return of Jesus. Jesus said he was going to come again. So just as sure as Jesus came to this earth... He lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin. He died on the cross, and on the third day he rose again. Guess what? He ascended into heaven at the right hand of God the Father, and you can rest assured he is coming back for his church. He said, I will come again. So his return is certain. Now look at verses 4 and 5. Jesus said to them, you know the way, and Thomas says, well, I don't know the way. I don't know where you're going, Lord. How would I know the way? And then Jesus clarifies it in verse 6. He says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am one of the ways or a way. He said, the way. It doesn't get any clearer that. And then Jesus goes on and clarifies it. What does he say? No one comes unto the Father except through me. And again, we, we have even Christians that think, God, that's not being fair. Thank God he's not fair, because if he was fair in that, none of us would deserve to go to heaven. Right? We, we're not worthy. But he says, I am the way. So Christianity, many people say, oh, you're just an exclusive little club. You think you're the only ones that are going to be in heaven. And so they said, I don't believe in Christianity because of that. I've heard people say that. And it breaks my heart. We shouldn't be upset that there's only one way. We should rejoice that God made a way. Because we didn't deserve it. Is Christianity inclusive? Yes. But what's interesting, other people think, well, all these other religions, they teach 
that they're just one of the ways. No, they don't. Most religions teach that they, this is the path to enlightenment or this is the way and that there is no other way. You can look at Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam. In fact, we were in a, a training class with our security team yesterday and, or the, and the day before and one of the things they showed somebody who was a terrorist and he made this little sign and this little sign meant that there's no God but Allah. That's what that sign meant. They are other religions, and they teach that they're the only way. And then, the, then you've got the Baha'i. They're one of the few people that think that anything is okay. It all gets you to heaven. And it's ridiculous because they're all talking about different things that contradict each other. So they all couldn't be right. But most religions are inclusive. They say, we're the only way. But Christian, I mean, uh, exclusive. But Christianity is actually inclusive. And I want to read some verses. Acts chapter 2, verse 21 says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Does that sound like an open invitation to you today? God loves every one of us. He created every one of us. You are special. You are unique. There's no one else like you. God has a plan for your life, and he loves you. He wants to spend eternity with you. So God made a way where there wasn't any way. Religion says you must do these things. Christianity says you must receive what Jesus has done. He paid it all. Well, what about the people, Pastor, that, and I mentioned this earlier, what about the people that have never heard of Jesus? What about the people that died thousands of years before Jesus came? And I want to answer those questions. And in order to answer those questions, we need to take a look at the character of God, His attributes, and understand what He reveals to us about who He is. And so there's three, just three of His attributes that I want us to look at today. And the first one is that God is good. And He's good all the time. He always has a heart of goodness towards us. In Psalm 119, verse 68, it says, You are good and do good. And it's referring to God. You are good and you do good. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But how many like that? Amen. We serve a good God. And he does good things for us. It's simple, but it's powerful. In Psalm 68 and verse 5, the psalmist writes, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. There it is. It's inclusive. It's to all those who call upon him. God's going to be good. He's going to show you forgiveness. And he's going to show you his mercy. Amen. Has anybody experienced that goodness and that grace, that mercy from him today? Amen. That forgiveness. He's ready to show mercy, to forgive all who call upon him. God is seeking us. I want you to think about that. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. God is seeking us. You remember in Genesis when it talks about Adam and Eve? 
What happened when they sinned? They hid themselves. What did God do? He came and sought them out. God comes seeking us in our sin. He seeks us so that He can save us. That's the heart of God. That's what our world needs to understand. They need to know the heart of God. He seeks us because He's good and He reveals Himself to us to anyone who wants to know Him. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 27, it says, Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? God is saying there, He's reminding Eli that when Israel was in bondage in Egypt, that God revealed Himself not only to all of Israel in His power, but He revealed Himself to all of Egypt in His power. And Egypt had, time and time again, God gave them the opportunity, He gave Pharaoh the opportunity to do what? He could have let them go. But he didn't, and his heart was hardened. When God deals with us, church, there's two things that are going to happen. Either we're going to say yes and allow God to deal with us, or his dealing with us is going to harden our hearts towards him, and we're going to remain in our rebellion. So God does reveal himself. In Psalm 98, in verse 2, it says, The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness. He has revealed in the sight of the nations. Did you hear that? God says, I have revealed my salvation and my righteousness in all the nations of the world. God has revealed himself. God's not on a secret mission. Aren't you glad? He wants to reveal himself. In Romans, it says that God also not only reveals his righteousness and salvation, God reveals his wrath. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Church, no one is ever going to stand before God and say, well, God, you didn't reveal yourself to me. It's clearly seen in creation. You can look at the mountains. We're placed in, a, in, a, in a, a gorgeous part of God's creation where we have beautiful seasons. We have beautiful mountains that are snow-capped in the winter. And, and we, we have beautiful rivers and lakes and streams and wildlife. We can see the hand of God. And, it, and it's just so silly to me to think that somebody thinks, well, all of this just kind of happened. We can look at the stars and see the, the, the galaxies, and we can see the universe, 
And, and we can see all of God's handiwork in creation. And yes, like David, it makes us think, who am I, Lord, that you'd even think about me? But God says, yes, I do think about you. And I am the God that created this universe. You look at all the glory and you know that I am there. And the same God that created all of this loves you and has a plan for your life. I want you to remember Cornelius. Everybody remember Acts chapter 10 and Cornelius? In verse 2, it describes Cornelius. It says, he was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms and generously to the people and prayed to God always. But he was not a Christian. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know of Christ. But he had a sincere heart that acknowledged God. There is a God and he prayed to God and he was generous. So what did God do? God sent Peter to him. Remember the story? Peter has a vision. And God sent Peter. And what happened? He accepts Jesus in his household. There is a important truth there, church, that if someone has a genuine heart to know the God of all creation, God will do whatever it takes to reveal himself to them. You say, well, what about people before Jesus? Think about Abraham. How does the Bible say Abraham was saved? Just like you and I, he was saved through grace, through faith by grace, right? God revealed himself to him and God revealed that God was going to take care and provide a sacrifice. We see all that in the life of Abraham. Anyone who, who was before Jesus, God revealed himself, revealed his plan. They were looking forward to the day that God would send his son to die on the cross, the sacrifice, just like you and I look backwards to the day he sent his son to die on the cross for us. God is a God who is kind, he's good, he's just and if God sent people to hell because they had never heard of Jesus before Jesus arrived, would that be a just God? No. But he reveals himself to them. That they come to that understanding that God was going to provide a sacrifice for their sin and they needed to trust him and receive that. Amen? Today we hear stories, and I love this. Church, turn to somebody and tell them, tell them it's happening right now. It's happening right now. There are countries in the world where Bibles are banned, where you can't talk about Jesus. There are countries that are like 99.9% .9 Muslim or some other religion in that area. And guess what? There are still people like Cornelius that have a heart. God, I want to know the true and the living God that created all this. 
They have a genuine heart that wants to know. And guess what? God is showing up in various ways and getting to them and sharing the great message that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I read an article this week that was really powerful that it was based on a study that was done a couple of years ago by the International Missions News. And the article commented about several different studies. One of the studies was done by a man named Dudley Woodbury. And he had interviewed 750 former Muslims that had become Christians. And what was interesting, you know, we would think, well, there was a, a pastor or an evangelist or they, they read Somebody gave them a Bible and they read the Bible. Out of these 25%, they all had dreams and encounters with Jesus. They didn't have a pastor. They didn't have an evangelist. They didn't have a Bible. They had a heart that was seeking the true God. On one of the stories I read... It was a, a Persian man, and he uh, had come, and he was in a refugee camp. And he had a dream of a man clothed in white with his hand raised that told him, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He told him, you need to follow me. And it was powerful. And he, he said he woke, he woke out of this dream and he began to, you know, seek what this was about. And he, he found a Persian pastor in the, that came to the camp. And the Persian pastor told him, he said, well, have you ever heard of Jesus? And he said, no. And he had a Bible with him. He, said, he stretched out his Bible and he said, have you ever seen a book like this? And the man said, no. And he opened it to Revelation where it said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The man began to cry. And he said, what must I do? To follow this man. And the pastor led him in a prayer. And peace came upon his life that he had never experienced before. He felt a freedom from his sin and, and just the peace of God. And the, the pastor gave him his Bible. And he said, the pastor said, now don't let the Muslims see that Bible because you'll have trouble. And I love his answer. He looked at the pastor and he said, the Jesus I just met is more powerful than any Muslim in this camp. He left for an hour and he came back with 10 more Persian Muslims and he said, these men want that Bible. They want to follow Jesus too. And there were 
hundreds of other testimonies similar to that. And what I want you to see in that is it's about a heart that really wants God, that you want to know God. God will do everything it takes to reveal himself to you. You don't have to worry about God being unjust to those that are hidden in the darkest parts of Africa because God's going to show up and reveal his glory to them if they want to know him. He's just. Psalm 7 verse 11 says, God is a just judge. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, listen to this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Those are God's laws. Those are his rules. That's the way he has established this life that we live in. Seek God and you're going to find Him. The problem today is that there are way too many Christians that come into the Lord's house and they're not seeking Him. They don't want to encounter Him. They don't want to experience His glory. They don't want to change. Amen? Pastor, that's hard. No, it's truth. And we're living in a time, church, when we can't afford to be lukewarm Christians. We need to be preparing for the spiritual battle that's raging in this world today. Know who we believe in, that he is able to save to the uttermost. We need to go forward and say, Lord, Lord, use me for your glory. I want to experience your presence and power. Lord, I want your glory to rest in my house, in my life, in my family, in our church. Lord, we're not playing games. We want an encounter with the Creator. I want people to know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes unto the Father except by Him. Amen? Another verse about the goodness of God and how just He is is in Jeremiah 29, 11. Everybody just about knows that verse. We love that verse. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's God's heart for us. And if you go down to verse 12 and 14 in that same chapter, listen to what he says. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Church, we teach our children, we bring them to the Lord's house and we send them to Sunday school or youth group or whatever. But are you teaching your children to seek the Lord for themselves? They're not going to get to heaven on your coattail. It's not about a great grandma and her relationship with Jesus. It's about seeking our Creator ourselves. Another verse in Acts chapter 17, verse 26 says, And He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times. What does that mean, Pastor? It means you were born exactly when God wanted you to be born. And you'll live until the moment He's ready to. I hear people all the time, Pastor, 
I should have been born 200 years in the future because I'm a, I'm a space kind of person. I love Star Wars and Star Trek. And I want to be an astronaut. No, you were born exactly when God wanted you to be born. And then listen to this. This is even more powerful. And the boundaries of their dwellings. You live where you live because God ordained it. Now listen to this. So, okay, we were born in God's time. We live in his pre-appointed place to dwell. Then he says, so that they should seek the Lord. In the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. Did you get that? God pre-appointed the time that you would be born, where you'd be born, where you would live with the sole purpose that that was the most optimal place in time, in history, and in this world for you to seek him and find him. I like that. Amen. That's the God we serve. He had a plan from the beginning. It's inclusive. He wants everyone to come to know him and the power of his resurrection. I love that. If we stopped right there, that ought to be enough to shout all your way home. You know, many times I've, I've shared the story of my grandfather, Michener, and how that he was dying of tuberculosis. And, and I, want, I want to look at it a little differently today. I want, to, I want you to think about it this way. He was an orphan and left early, didn't have anyone in his life that ever told him about Jesus. He was a young man, early 20s, dying of tuberculosis, living on the streets of Tulsa, Oklahoma, eating out of garbage cans, quarantined for my grandmother. He started hemorrhaging up blood, and what did he do? He said this simple prayer, God, if there is a God, I want to know you before I die. He was seeking God with his last breath. He really wanted to know God. All of a sudden, he walks down the alleyway and he hears music. And he's drawn by the music and he follows the music to a little Assembly of God church that's still there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he walks in and they welcome him in. They didn't turn him away. But God had spoken to the pastor that there was going to be a man that was going to come in that needed Jesus. He stopped and he welcomed him. He told him about the Lord. He prayed with him. My grandfather received Jesus. It's because he had a heart that sought God. 
It wasn't because he had grandparents and parents that taught him about Jesus that took him to church. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I thank God that my grandparents did that. My mom, I spent more time in church almost than I did in school. I mean, if the doors were open, I was in church from the time I was a little boy. Well, our kids, we, we took them to church all the time. Melinda had toys. She, even when they were very small, they were in the auditorium with us. And she'd give them a little, Mitch, a little truck or a little toy here and give the girls something. And we were in church. And I, I thank God for that. But they are not living for the Lord today simply because we taught them about Jesus. They're living today for the Lord because they sought Him with their own hearts. And that's the way we need to pray for our kids. Lord, whatever it takes, let them be stirred in their heart that they want you. They're going to, Lord, just desire your presence to know you. I love that. The third thing, and we're about to close. We've talked about God is good, God is just, and God is love is the last one. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Amen. There it is again. It's about the love of God, the God that we serve. It is his characteristic, his attribute. It's who he is. God is love. And that love was what compelled him to come and be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life. Man couldn't do it on his own. Man is the reason that sin entered in this world and there needed to be a man to, to pay the penalty. But we couldn't pay the penalty because we're all sinners too. God had to come in the form of a man. Jesus became man. He was 100% God. He's 100% man. That's a whole nother study we don't have time to get into today. But it's true. And he paid the price. He was sinless. And he took all the sin of the world upon himself at the cross. He took your sin, past sin, present sin, future sin. He took it all upon Him. And He paid the ultimate price for our sin that we could be forgiven. Hallelujah! Amen. And it's inclusive. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever... I love the whosoever, because that's me. I love the fact that he loves the whole world. That's me. That's you. Amen? Whosoever. God loves us. But he's given us a free will. That's part of the love. He didn't create you to be a robot. He didn't create you just to be able to do certain things that he wanted you to do. He gave us all a free will. And it shows up really quickly. I mean, as soon as a little child begins to talk, they learn the word no. 
I've got six grandkids, and I guarantee you that was one of the first things they all learned. No. They had a free will. And God loves them. He loves us. That's why he did all that. And I want, us to end up, I want the worship team to go ahead and come. I want you to think about this. The love that God has for us is so much deeper, so much greater than any kind of love that we experience in this world. Now, love is a word that we use very commonly. In fact, I'm very thankful. My kids, when I talk to them, almost always as we're hanging up from talking together, we'll say, I love you. But the love that I have for you, I want you to know I love you as part of our church family, as part of God's family. I love you. But the love I have for you is not the same love that I have for my bride. And I'm not going to apologize for that. It would be really weird if I loved you like I love my bride. Well, it would. (laughs) And I love my kids. But the love that God has for us, it's greater than a love for a husband or wife. It's greater than the love for a mother or father for a child. All this other love that we experience flows from that ultimate love of God. But none of it compares to His love for us. The verse that we started off with in chapter 14, where Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. In those verses, over and over again, He uses the word you. He didn't say the church. He didn't say the word believers. He uses the word you. Because he wants that to be personal for you. For every one of us. I want you to stand with me. And I want to invite the prayer team to come to the front and to the back of the auditorium. We don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. I think most of you know that Jasper is Canadian. Now the light went off. Somebody go, oh, that's why she's that way. No. She's sweet and I love her. But her dad still lives in Canada. And from time to time, he'll send me information about things that are going on in Canada that our news does not cover. There have been 49 churches, Christian churches, that have been burned to the ground in Canada. Just recently, I received another bit of information. There was a pastor who was pulled over and arrested 
because he had church. He paid the bond and was released and then he flew to the U.S. so that he could begin to tell the Christian church what was taking place in Canada. He spent, I think, two weeks in the U.S. He flew back and immediately he was arrested again. Church, we don't know what tomorrow holds. It may seem like our world is crumbling around us, just like the disciples. But Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I know some of the new translations does not use the word mansions, and literally it's dwelling places. And I want you to think about this. Well, I want a mansion. Some of us have these dreams about beautiful southern mansion with big white columns. I guarantee you a room in the Father's house is going to be better than any mansion you can imagine. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you did make a way because you didn't have to do what you did for us. And Lord, no matter how many millions of religions that man can dream up none of them would pay the price only you could do that and Lord we thank you that you did that and Lord as we leave today I pray that we wouldn't struggle with Jesus being the only way but we would rejoice that God made a way for us And that it's an inclusive way. It's for whosoever will. Whosoever wants to receive Him. Whosoever wants to be free from their sin. Whosoever wants to have a relationship with their Creator. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that hasn't made that commitment, I pray that today they would say yes to You. They would receive You. Receive Your forgiveness. Receive Your grace. Your mercy and Your love. And Lord, I pray that no matter how difficult things get, that we would be bold as a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Lord, that we wouldn't back down. Lord, that we would tell people there is one way, and it's Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except by me. Lord, let us not be ashamed of that. Let us rejoice in that. Let us welcome people into your presence. Lord, let us tell them about you. And Lord, I just bless each and every one that's here today. Lord, whatever is on their heart, whatever need they're finding themselves in today, Lord, let them bring that need to you. And let us pray. Lord, know that you hear and know that you answer. Lord, we just ask it in your precious name. Amen.
the worship team leads us in a chorus, I just want you to worship the Lord for a minute. And if you have a prayer need, just come forward and we'd love to pray with you today.